All right, all the kids are headed back to class. All kinds of excitement going on today. John chapter 11 is where we're going to be this morning. John chapter 11. I've already gotten choked up about three times in the service already. I'm telling you, it's amazing. Uh, man, that first Sunday and where we've come, what God's done is absolutely incredible. Um, and so I'm sure I will shed some tears today, and you'll think, why is he crying about that? Um, trust me, I've got good reasons. Um, but uh, uh, I'm so thankful for what God has done for us, and I'm thankful for uh, allowing us to still be here, not only to still be here, but to be, I believe, thriving uh, where God has placed us and the blessings that we've seen in this last year alone in a pandemic when we had no clue what was happening um, to end, end it all in, in this place and a building that we own uh, with property as well is just such a blessing. And we'll talk about that this morning along with other things. A, a couple went out to dinner to celebrate their 50th wedding anniversary. On the way home, the wife noticed a tear in her husband's eye, and she asked if he's getting sentimental because they're celebrating 50 wonderful years together. He replied, no, I was thinking about the time before we got married. Your father threatened me with a shotgun and said he'd have thrown me in jail for 50 years if I didn't marry you. He said, tomorrow I would have been a free man. John chapter 11, this morning, we're going to look at a thought that the Son of God might be glorified. John chapter 11, verse number 1, the Bible says, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, uh, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he, Lazarus, was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. This morning I was thinking about different titles for this message. Uh, one was uh, Wrong Expectations. One was What Happens When What You Plan Doesn't Happen. And we've settled on a very simple taking a phrase out of verse number 4 that the Son of God might be glorified. And we're going to look at the story of Lazarus, his death, and the great movement by, by Christ as well this morning. God, I pray that you'd help us. God, I pray that we would learn more of you. God, that we'd grow closer to you. And God, that we'd be encouraged by your word this morning and by all that you've done in this, in this church, Lord. I pray that you'd help me as I present these verses. God, that I do them clearly and that I do them correctly. God, that we would not stretch something to say that it doesn't say. But God, I pray that we would be truly just uh, helped by your word today. And Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our church is a living testimony of what God can do. And oftentimes we have plans, right? We've talked about this before. We have plans and the things don't go as we had planned. Things don't happen the way we expected them to happen. Well, one thing I've learned, especially over the last seven years, 
is that when God does it, he is glorified. When I do it, God is not glorified. When you do it, God is not glorified. But when God does it, God is glorified. Our church, uh, everything that's happened in our church over the last seven years has happened for the purpose that the Son of God might be glorified. I didn't always see that. I didn't always understand that. And some of you who have been with us for a while, and maybe even those who have been with us just for a short while, have seen and understood that as well. I don't know. But I find it intriguing that all throughout history there have been people who had a plan. And when their plan didn't come to fruition the way they thought it should, they got discouraged. And then ultimately they got to watch God do something they wouldn't have got to see had it happened the way they planned for it to happen. So number one, I want us to see this morning the plan. The plan. We see there in verse number three, Mary and Martha sent for Jesus. And it says in verse number three, Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Why did they send to tell Jesus that Lazarus was sick? They did it because they wanted Jesus to come and heal him. That was the reason behind it. That was the plan. Hey, I've got an idea. Let's go get Jesus. He loves Lazarus. Surely he's going to take care of Lazarus. So let's go get Jesus. He'll come and take care of the sickness that Lazarus has. That is the plan. Jesus could heal Lazarus. That was in the realm of possibility. That was possible for Jesus to do. That was the plan that Mary and Martha had. I had a plan for this church. Uh, when we uh, surrendered to come in July of 2013, we announced to our church in Indiana that we would be resigning as pastor and we'd be moving to Kentucky at the end of the year uh, to start a church. And uh, so we had these plans in place of how that was going to work. We were going to sell our house. We were going to... Uh, uh, moved to Lexington and buy a house. We were going to uh, um, go to a town of, uh, depending on where you look, 400,000 people with a surrounding area including 750,000 people, a place that although there was many, many churches, uh, there was still a great need for a Bible preaching, gospel preaching, a community serving and loving church, um, and obviously a God serving church. A great need. As a matter of fact, one, one pastor told me, he said, why in the world are you going to Kentucky? Why don't you go out west where they need churches? And I started to give some statistics to him, and he goes, oh, I guess they do need churches there too. Uh, there's a great need in central Kentucky for good churches. Our plan was to come and to start. We'd meet some people. We'd pass out a lot of flyers and brochures. We were able to get out 12,000 before our first Sunday. And uh, we had a plan to meet people and to invite people to church. We didn't know anybody here. We knew a couple people in Versailles. Uh, but outside of that, we knew nobody here in the area. And we started to meet people and, and introduce ourselves. And all these sorts of things uh, began to take place. Our first uh, week leading up to our first service, we held Get Acquainted meetings where we invited the community to come out and get to meet us, kind of see what the church was going to be like. We didn't have a single soul from the community come out in that week. Uh, first Sunday, we didn't know what was going to happen. We had lots of family in town. Uh, we had two families from the community come. We were so excited that anybody showed up. Uh, after the, a while, the thought was, well, after a couple months of being here and working and the church running, boy, you know, it'll grow fast with 400,000 people in the city. And uh, after 
uh, three years and sitting at 12 or 13 people every Sunday, I have to admit there were times that, that I wondered, well, did we do something wrong? Are we doing it right? What's going on? Uh, the Lord just continued to give us the peace that we were, were where God wanted us to be. And so we continued. And as we continued, God blessed. Uh, our plan uh, was to grow faster than we have. Our plan was uh, to, to, to do things differently than we've done them. Yet God's plan was different than ours. Mary and Martha sent for Jesus because they said Lazarus is sick. They wanted Jesus to come heal him. That was their plan. It's not what God did. It says there in verse number 5, or excuse me, verse number 6, when he had heard, therefore, that Lazarus was sick, he abode two days still. He didn't take off. He stayed two more days where he was. That wasn't the plan. That wasn't Martha's plan. It wasn't Mary's plan. That was God's plan. The plan of this church may have started differently but we learned very quickly to mold it to God's plan, to let it be God's plan. We named the church Bible Pathway Baptist Church because our intention all along was to follow the Bible's pathway for this church, no matter what that meant, uh, no matter if it meant being different than some people, no matter if it meant uh, doing things differently than I'd seen them done in the past, no matter if it meant me being a different kind of pastor than I was in the past, we were going to do it the way that we believed God wanted us to do it. And we've learned over seven years that God's plan works out just fine. That the way that God intends for it to happen, even though it doesn't happen the way I planned it to happen, I promise you, little, if any of it, has gone the way I planned it to go. And what we've learned, that if we'll just follow God and let Him lead the way, it'll be okay uh, when it's all said and done. It'll work out just perfectly fine. Number two, I want you to see this morning the plane, P-L-A-I. I in the plain look in verse uh, number 11 it says these things said he and after that he saith unto them our friend Lazarus sleepeth but I go that I may awake him out of sleep then said his disciples Lord if he sleep he shall do well Howbeit Jesus spake of his death but they thought that he had spoken of taking a rest uh, of rest in sleep then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Then we see over in verse 21, Jesus arrives uh, to where Lazarus is, and it says in verse 21, Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus tells the disciples, Lazarus is sleeping, I need to go wake him up. And they said, well, if he's sleeping, then everything is fine, leave him alone. And Jesus said, no, he's dead, morons. Uh, he shows up and, and Martha is there and, and Martha says, I know what you, what, that you can do anything, basically, is what she says. And Jesus says, Lazarus will rise. And she said, well, I know he will in the last days. That's not what Jesus was talking about. Look at verse 32. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Almost the thought of, why didn't you care enough to come, come save my brother? Why didn't you care? 
Sometimes we accuse God of not caring about the circumstances that we're in. And the reality is, is we're just too plain to see what God is doing. In verse 33 it says, When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. In verse 35, Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. This phrase that Mary said, and Martha said it too, God, if you would have just been here, had you just come when we called for you, Lazarus wouldn't have died. Why didn't you care? Jesus showed his care. He cared deeply. It tells us uh, back there in verse number uh, 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 2, in verse number 3, God loved Lazarus. God loved Martha. God loved Mary. He had a great relationship with them. He would stay with them, Jesus would, when he was in the area. God was friends uh, with these people, and Jesus here weeping with them who wept over the death of Lazarus, it was, it was not that he did not care, it was just simply it wasn't his plan. And everyone else was too plain to understand what God was doing. I had these thoughts over the last seven years. God, do you not see? Do you not understand? Do you not care about the trials we're going through? Whether it be personally, job-wise, in the church, whatever it was, it was all for us, it's all one thing, right? And so we're sitting there and just saying, God, had you just done this? God, had you just provided this? God, had you just changed this? God, had you just whatever? And God says, if I may use the word again, hey, moron. It's fine. Lazarus is sleeping. I need to awake him. Calm down. It'll be okay. Yet I have at times been too plain. I, and, and for sake of being mean to other people, I'm not the only one. I've talked with people in the church over the last seven years who were, who were too plain to see what God was doing. I've had people tell me, what would you do if we left? Boy, I'll tell you what, that fired me up. I said, I'll do the same thing I did before you came. Trust God. I love each and every one of you, I do. And some I don't know very well, but I promise I still love you. If you ever think that you're the most important piece of the church, you're in the wrong place. Because God is. And he always will be. God doesn't need any of us. He desires it. He wants you here. He wants you serving. He wants you loving him. He wants you learning about him. He doesn't need you. Boy, I've had a big head before, and I've had been filled with pride before, and I thought, boy, it's a good thing I'm here. No. No. It has nothing to do with me. It's always encouraging. I've had... People reach out even this morning and say, thank you for your faithfulness. I agree God rewards our faithfulness, but it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with God. And yet, oftentimes, we are just so plain, we don't see what God is doing, and we begin to question God. But God, why wouldn't you do it this way? This is a great idea. 
the church I used to go to did it this way, and it was perfect. Why won't you do it that way? Listen, I, you know, and I've, I've been very careful about this. Everything that we do, we do by prayer. Any standard we place in the church, any guideline we place in the church, any, any event that we do, all that kind of stuff, it's all based on prayer. And the, I've learned the easiest way to do things is just doing the way that God's given me peace to do them. And so if someone says, well, we need to do it differently, I'm willing to pray about that, but uh, we're only going to do what God gives us peace to do. We're not going to do, just it, it, not to say that it's bad ideas, right? Everybody has good ideas, and I say that, not everybody has good ideas, but uh, many people have good ideas, and they'll bring an idea and say, well, that sounds like that could work, and then we'll pray about it. And if it's, we feel like God wants us to do it, we'll do it. And if we feel like God doesn't, then we won't. And there are people who get hurt over that. Well, it was a good idea. I don't know why they didn't do that. Honestly, there are times I don't know why we didn't do it. It's just God didn't give us the peace to do it, so we're not going to do it. And we have to be willing to not be so plain that God has to say, hey, moron, I got this. Just follow me. We see the plan. We see the plane. Thirdly, I've got four points today, by the way. I told somebody three. Uh, thirdly, I want to I look at the power. The power. Verse number 37, the Bible says, And some of them said, Could not this man, Jesus, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. That's a good concern, by the way. I appreciate that from people who say, Hey, if we do that, that's going to smell bad. Uh, maybe we shouldn't do that. Uh, but she says, He's been dead four days, Jesus. He's, he ain't going to smell too good. If you want to go in and see him laying there, this is probably not the time. Verse 40, Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that thou mayest believe, that, thou, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with the grave cloths, and his face was bound with a napkin. And Jesus, Jesus saith unto them, Loose him. And let him go. The power of God. People wondered, had he come, he could have saved him. Had he come, he could have healed him. If he would have only come earlier. If he hadn't been late. Now listen, that's not an excuse for you to be late, all right? You're not Jesus. But had he not been late, he could have saved Lazarus. And Jesus, as he prayed to his Father, God in heaven, he said, God, I know that you hear me always, but I'm going to say this so that the people around me can know who I am. Lazarus, come forth. 
And guess what he did? He was asleep, and now he was awake. He was dead, in case you didn't catch it. And now he was alive because of the power of God. And out comes the stinky... Uh, you know, we read stories in the Bible. We see the, the, three, uh, the three young men walking in the midst of the fire, and then they see a fourth like the Son of God walking with them and they come out of the fiery furnace and they don't smell like smoke they don't they don't have their clothes burned they don't have their hair singed nothing everything is just the way they went in lazarus wasn't that way when he came out he stank he was still covered in the mummy uh wrappings he was covered in the cloths um god says jesus says loose him and let him go because i'm guessing everybody was standing there with their jaws on the ground going what in the world is happening and Lazarus is sitting there going, mm, mm, mm. Loose him. What are you guys doing? Let him go. The power of God. Boy, we've seen the power of God in this church. We've watched as God took something that was barely alive and gave it strength. We've watched him let us loose and let us go. When we started the church, we had financial support, churches, a couple individuals, but churches that would send us some money, and it wasn't a lot, but it was helpful. In the early days, our sending church, Temple Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, um, they were paying the rent for the building, which was huge because we wouldn't have had the money otherwise. They sent us the money, and we were three years in, I believe, and we just moved to our third third building. So maybe we were four years in. I don't remember how that one was now. Uh, we just moved into our third building. And uh, we were excited. Boy, it was a good location. It was a ground level. Our first two buildings were upstairs. Our first year when we'd meet people, man, the nicest, sweetest people in the world, just down the road from us, but they were older. As soon as they saw we had stairs, they said, I'm sorry, I can't come to your church. I can't get up those stairs. For the first two, was it the first three years? Man, I do not remember how long we were in that second building. We were in, okay. No, we were upstairs, and... and uh, so this third building, man, it was just great. It was on the ground level. It was a good location, easy to find, easy to tell people where it was. Um, it, it was it was very, very uh, awesome situation. Um, we we uh, we got in. We 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 were ready to go. Called the landlord. Said we're going to do this. We're going to get in. She said, okay, we need the security deposit, which was uh, far higher than what the rent was. And I said, uh, I said, I'm not sure that we can do that. I said, is there any way we can lower that security deposit? And she said, I'm giving you a pretty good deal on the rent. I think you can come up with that money for the security deposit. I said, yes, ma'am, we'll do it. I remember I, I reached out to my pastor, and I said, preacher, I said, I'm not real sure what to do. I don't like asking for more money. I'm not a big fan of that. And he said, well, have you asked for money before, outside of when you originally raised support? I said, no. And he goes, well, I don't think it hurts anything to write an email or a letter or something and let people know what's going on. Within 24 hours, we had the money for the security deposit. And within a week, we had doubled that money. 
thought, boy, that's just exciting. We rejoiced in what the Lord did for us. It wasn't but a week or two later, after we got the keys to the building, I got a phone call from someone in the church in Tennessee, and they said our pastor left, and we're not sure how things are going to go financially, so we feel like we need to stop sending you money. And I said, okay. Um, I had thoughts in my mind thinking, well, if you don't have to pay a pastor, you should have plenty of money to send to us. But uh, I said, I understand. Thank you for letting me know. And uh, I just remember thinking, well, this is going to be interesting. I think we had 13 people coming regularly on Sunday mornings at that time. And I just remember thinking, well, this is going to be really interesting not having that money coming in uh, to help us because it, it was a good chunk of change. And I remember, I think we'd been in the building about a month, and James came to me and he said, Pastor, he said, um, we're good to go with this month and pay everything. He said, I think we're good to go next month and, and get everything going, but after that it's going to get pretty tight. And so we prayed about it, and uh, you know, we weren't sure what was going to happen. Within, I believe, two months, of that time we had tripled our number in attendance visiting families at that time that eventually joined and I just remember thinking as finances was not an issue it's not to say that um, we weren't paying attention to it but it, it no longer was an issue it was no longer it's going to get pretty tight uh, it was now God was bringing in the income but he wasn't doing it through our, our church from the outside he was doing it from our church from the inside I just remember thinking, God, how wonderful it is. You know, we, I, I've never been one to worry a whole lot about finances. Uh, I've seen my whole life God take care of my family. But, you know, you sit there and you think, you think about all kinds of things. What am I going to tell the people who come to church here? What am I going to tell the people who gave us money over the years? What am I going to tell the people who are constantly reaching out and saying, how are things going? What am I going to do? Uh, if this doesn't work out, this has to shut down. And I just remember watching God provide so many wonderful ways for our church through His power and through His power alone. God continually just, just bring us back from, from near death. We weren't dead, but from near death. And just keep us going. And like I said, it had nothing to do with the people. As much as God used the people that came, it wasn't because of them, it was because of God. The family that told me, what are you going to do if we leave? What are you going to do if we stop tithing? Boy, I'm telling you, as a pastor, there's a lot of things I wanted to say at that moment. But at the end of the day, it, it came down to a simple fact. I don't need your tithe because I don't have any needs. This church is not my concern. It's God's. It's God's church. It's not my church. Yeah, we... We were the, the family that started it. Yeah, we put a lot of investment into this church. A lot of time, a lot of finances, uh, a lot of things, a lot of energy. But it has nothing to do with us. It's everything to do with God. And through God's power, God kept this church going. Through God's power, God keeps this church going as well. Lastly, I want us to look, number four, at the purpose. We see the plan, we see the plane, we see the power, and we see the purpose. I came up with those four all by myself. 
uh, the purpose. Look in verse number 4 again. Chapter 11, verse number 4. When Jesus heard uh, that uh, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now go towards the end of the chapter to verse 45. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. He said it from the very beginning, from the invite, from the, the, the information that he received. Lazarus is sick. He said this is for the purpose that God will be glorified. If you look at the story of this church in the last seven years, I believe and I sure hope that you see what God has done for the purpose that God may be glorified. In the last year, one of the neatest things about us purchasing this building and this property has been the number of people that got to see what God did. In the past, when God would do something for our church, my family would know it, and then the 13 or I guess let's see here, seven other people that were in the church might get to see it, might understand what was happening, might know uh, and see the provision that God has been doing, a very small group of people. One of the things that I continue to thank God for is that in moving here, our entire church prayed. Our entire church came together. Our entire church was 100% for what we were seeking. And together, we went to God and we said, God, this is what we want. God, would you give it to us for the purpose that you'll be glorified? <laughs> we called banks. We need a loan for this amount. First bank, how many people are in your church? I may have fibbed. I said 30. That was a fib. It's okay if you're doing it to the bank. No, I'm just kidding. It's not okay. I said 30. We were closer to 25. The first bank said, you need to be running 100 before we'll even consider giving you a loan. I said, well, that's not good. <laughs> uh, so we counted the groundhog in the other building, so I take us to 31. Um, I said, okay. Called another bank. And we're not really big on giving loans to churches. We had a bad experience, bad publicity. Okay, called another bank. Let me see what we can do. I like that. So they look at all the information that we sent them, all the income information, everything like that. And I got the questions. Actually, I was asked, put it in writing, how are you going to pay the mortgage? So I put it in writing the best I could. The problem was, and the bank didn't know this, we still needed $50,000 to cover the rest of the cost of the building. We didn't have $50,000. The bank knew this. We did not have $50,000 in the bank. And when they asked me, how are you going to get it? I said, it's coming. <laughs> I didn't know how it was going to get there. But I said, don't let that deter you, Mr. Bank man. It's coming. I began looking at different options, talking to different people. 
We applied for a uh, grant with a ministry called Jehovah Jireh Ministries. They give grants to churches who are purchasing their first building. Uh, church plants that have been renting but are looking to purchase, they help them out. So I give them uh, a call, send an application, actually. I get a call back the next day. I see you sending this application. I said, yes, sir. He said, well, we're not accepting new applications until January. I said, okay. He said, so call us back in January. And I thought, well, that's not going to be too helpful. But I said, okay. And he said, why don't you reach out to the man that you have here as sponsoring you in that ministry. Someone has to sponsor the applicant, someone that's on their board. And I knew a couple guys on the board. So I had the one guy down as a sponsor. He said, reach out to him, explain to him your situation, just keep him updated. I said, all right. So I called him. We talked a little bit. He said the same thing. Yeah, we're not accepting new applications until January, but we'll keep it. And in January, we'll put you in as one of the applicants. And I said, okay. He said, keep me updated. I said, yes, sir. The bank finally approved us. Well, we still needed to come up with $50,000 or at a minimum $20,000. We had 30 something in the bank. It would have depleted our bank account, but that's what we had. And uh, so I reached out, <clears throat> sent an email and said, hey, I'm trying to get a, letting this, my sponsor know us, I'm trying to get a, a secondary loan that will help us cover what we need uh, and not completely deplete our bank account. So I'm trying to get another loan for 30000 He said, if you get a loan for 30000 can you get the building? I said, yes, sir, I believe we can. He said, okay, I'll get back with you. About, I want to say it was two weeks later. I don't remember the timeline. It may have been a week later. Um, he calls me back and he said, uh, he said Vince, we're going to go ahead and submit your application for this round that we're voting on in two weeks. He said, I need you to get me these things as soon as possible. I said, yes, sir. I said, can I ask you a question? He said, sure. I said, we were talking about a $30,000 loan, but if we're applying for a grant, we actually need $50,000. Is it best for me to put that, or do you want me just to keep it at $30,000? He said, ah, oh, go ahead and put fifty dollars on there. We'll see what happens. So I did. I sent in the application, the pictures, everything that was necessary. He told me what day they were going to be meeting, and that day, that morning, I got a phone call from another person. He's a pastor that I've known forever uh, as a kid in, in Oklahoma. He said, Vince, Pastor Hardy, why are you calling me? <laughs> I haven't talked to him for years. He said, I just saw your application come through for us to consider for a grant. I had no idea he was on the board. He said, I hope that later on today, Mr. Schwenke can give you some good news. I said, boy, thank you. That's encouraging. They had the vote, and we got the grant, $50,000. And talking to Mr. Swanky, our sponsor, he said, I was supposed to talk for you. I was supposed to kind of sell you to the board, but I didn't get a chance to talk. Pastor Hardy talked about you. <laughs> he didn't talk about me. He talked about my dad. He 
his testimony of faithfulness and everything that he'd done. Pastor Hardy knew me as a little kid. Snotty nose, running around. We had talked since I had grown up, but he didn't know me well. But you see, God's plan, God's power, and God's purpose was to put people under the testimony of my parents in a room exactly the time that we needed them. It was his purpose. For the purpose of God being glorified. There are people <clears throat> in Wisconsin who know the story of us getting this building. And they got to hear what God did for us. For people in Florida who knew the story of what we needed and that God provided it. And God's been glorified. People in Chicago, people in Arizona, people in Oklahoma, people in California, people in Washington, people in Tennessee, people in Georgia, people in South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, and you can name, I think, every state, maybe not Hawaii. I don't know if I know anybody in Hawaii. But they got to see they knew. We'd put it out there. This is what we're praying for. And they got to see what God did for us. This building, this property, and better yet, this church, is for the purpose the Son of God may be glorified. That's it. It's the only reason. And I can sit here today and I can say all glory to God. Because I didn't do anything. <laughs> At least nothing right. And God did everything. This, and I'm not just talking about this place, you people. This church exists for one reason. That the Son of God might be glorified. And I believe that today, celebrating our seventh anniversary, God is glorified. I've got plans that one day I'd like to bring in a representative from every church that supported us. <clears throat> I'd like to give them a small gift, a plaque, uh, just to show our appreciation for their part in helping out our church. My plan right now is to do that on the 10th anniversary. There are people that God used. And listen, <clears throat> God used his people to give. God used his people over and over again. It wasn't just random, rich, wealthy businessmen. It was God's people, poor, middle class, wealthy, variety of people from literally all over the world, not just the country, that God used to either give money, to pray, uh, to encourage, all of these things. He didn't use the world to do it. Yeah, the bank, I guess you, can, you could argue that, but he used God's people. And in doing so, God is being glorified. This morning, as you sit in this building, at this place with these people, may you please, please, please know that without God, it's impossible. He could have done it with anybody. 
He could have had a different family that he called here. He could have had a different family that came and started the church. He could have had a different pastor and, and family. He could have had different individuals that make up the church. He, could, he, he didn't need us. Well, he chose us. He desires us. And don't ever, no matter what happens in this church, no matter if it outgrows this building, don't ever think it was because of anything you did. With one exception, God rewarding your faithfulness. Your money does not make or break this church. Your attendance does not make or break this church. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't faithfully give what God tells us to give. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't faithfully attend where God tells us to attend. But if you can understand that we exist for the purpose of bringing glory to God, this church will continue to grow. And this church will build its impact. We will see people saved. We will see people baptized. We will see people added to the church. And when we celebrate every year God's goodness to our church, more and more people will glorify God with us because that is the purpose. Our plan doesn't usually happen. But if we'll learn God's plan is perfect and it'll be just fine. We are plain, but may I encourage you, if you're ever sitting there wondering, why God, or why not do this, God, just accept that he knows what's going on, and it'll be just fine. May we trust in the power that God has because he can wake the sleeping. He can raise the dead. And let's not forget the purpose. The purpose is simply that the Son of God might be glorified. This morning, may we glorify God in our praise and in our celebration of what he's done for this place, for these people, for our church. God, I thank you. I can't say it enough. You've been so good. And God, this morning, we just want to give you the praise and the glory and the honor for everything that you've done in this church. And God, we're so thankful for you bringing us where we are, for adding to the church. God, I pray that you'd continue to do so. God, I pray that we would never allow our plans to discourage us, but God, that we'll trust in your plan. And God, that we'll never trust in our power, but God, that we'll always trust in your power. And God, that we'll always strive to accomplish the purpose of this church that you've established, that the Son of God may be glorified. God, today we lift our hands to you. God, today we give you all the glory. God, today we give you all the praise. I pray this in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, there's no questions. Well, there are, but I'm not going to ask any questions today. This morning, would you give God the glory? Would you thank Him for bringing you to this place? Would you thank Him for allowing you to be a part of bringing glory to Him through the many blessings that He's given this church? My goodness, He's been good to us. Maybe this morning you've been like me where you had a plan and it didn't go as you had planned. Maybe right now you're in the middle of that plan. You're saying, it's not going the way I, I thought it would go. And this morning maybe you need to give that plan to God and just say, God, whatever you're doing, I'm just going to trust you with it. Maybe this morning you've 
been trying to do something in your own power, and this morning God's been working on your heart and said, you need to trust in my power. Would you give that to God this morning? Maybe this morning you've been living your life with a purpose that isn't to bring honor and glory to God. And this morning with me, you'd say, all glory to God. I want to live a life for the purpose that the Son of God might be glorified. You've heard some stories today of how he's worked in our church. There have been many other ways that he's worked in my own life. Maybe he has in yours as well. It's not just the church's purpose. It should be your purpose that the Son of God might be glorified. Maybe God's spoken to you about areas in your life that haven't been bringing glory to God, and this morning you'd commit to God, God, I'm going to give you the glory, and I'm going to live my life in a way that will bring glory to you. Whatever it is that God's spoken to you about this morning, and maybe it's just as simple as saying thank you, God. Let's take care of that right now.